The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Do you at all think that this there could be some, I don't know, there a risk of blowback amongst voters on this? Chris Christie and the Republican candidates are kind of saying essentially the same thing, which is um, Chris Christie especially saying, like, I, you know, I don't want Donald Trump to be president, but I want voters to prevent him from being president, not some court. What the Colorado Supreme Court did is they basically t- took a blow at democracy in the name of democracy, as you mentioned. We've never needed the, Democrat, the, the democratic process more. We need voters to be able to make a decision. Yeah, there were four justices here that, that they finally found a majority to accept this dangerous theory. But there were three Democrats on the other side that refused to sign off. And some of those judges in other states that have rejected this theory, they're also Democrats. And they didn't do it because they had affinity for Donald Trump. They did it because they had affinity for the Constitution. Well, this is one Democrat who believes this is going to hurt Democrats and certainly hurt democracy. Uh, you know, Donald Trump has not been convicted of anything. And to throw him off the ballot based on allegations which have not been fully vetted in a court of law with appeals is to me contrary to everything our country stands for. And I'm, I'm a Biden supporter. I would vote for Joe Biden tomorrow. But I would tell Joe Biden that he should press the Supreme Court to get Donald Trump back on the Colorado ballot, indeed on every ballot. Um, so I think this case will be handled quickly. I think it could be 9-0 in the Supreme Court for Trump. I think it's completely misplaced. I think this this Colorado Supreme Court decision is badly wrong for multiple reasons. The, the idea that uh, 50 different state courts can can decide a question involving the highest elective office in the executive branch, interpreting the federal constitution as to what constitutes an insurrection against the federal government uh, is is incoherent. So I'd be willing to bet a small amount of money here that the Supreme Court uh, if it gets to the merits of this, if it has to, uh, will reverse. There's, there's no other logical way you can uh, apply this, and, and it would sow chaos in elections as far as the eye could see. This will throw the entire system of electing presidents that we've now established for over 200 years into disarray. It's, it's a scandal. It's a shame. The justices who wrote this decision ought to be ashamed of themselves. It's a purely partisan ploy. And the Supreme Court ought to take this up as soon as possible and get us back to the business of electing presidents based on what the people want, not what partisans want and what they can get partisan judges to enact. If you're going to take a former president off the ballot in a major state, the case for that judicially has to be rock solid, right? And I think a lot of people are going to be looking at this and saying, this doesn't seem rock solid to me at all. This isn't uh, as a silver bullet as an, uh, of an argument to such a degree that you would basically subvert the election and take him off via judicial fiat. Like what, One question I have, and I put it to you as a legal expert, if it's so clear that there was sufficient evidence that he engaged in insurrection, 
Why didn't Jack Smith pursue that? You'll notice uh, quite a few Trump haters in that uh, cold open, including uh, John Bolton's mustache, weighing in, saying that this is a sham of a ruling coming out of uh, Colorado. Just, uh, just last night, <laughs> taking Donald Trump, he hasn't, forget about being convicted, he hasn't even, he hasn't even been charged with insurrection. And yet these four activist judges, and, and keep in mind, as Turley brought out, three, there were three Democrats that ruled against this. So they managed to get their slim majority and they remove Donald Trump, or they intend to, we'll get into it in greater detail here in just a second, but they intend to remove Donald Trump from the ballot in Colorado. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to the live video stream of this show every weekday morning at 11, I guess 11.05 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. Just go to TrumpetDaily.com or to our Rumble channel. You can join our growing audience at Rumble, rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily. They've got the live chat there. Of course, the thumbs up, which ups our ratings. Don't forget about that. And then you can leave us some feedback after the fact as well. You can also email the show if you'd like, td at the trumpet.com. So I think one of the uh, talking heads there in the cold open uh, asked, you know, how does a state court, might have been, it might have been the mustache. How does a state court decide that Donald Trump violated this federal law and that he's to be removed from the ballot because he committed uh, insurrection. You know what all of this shows? We'll, we'll, again, we'll get into the weeds here in just a second, but it shows just how important the false narrative was. And, and it also shows how that the regime media, and there's plenty of them, forget about the ones we played for you there, there's plenty of them that, that could, could barely contain their glee last night. As, the, as they thought about Donald Trump being, forget about democracy, the guardians of democracy, they want to blow up democracy to save democracy. How about that? Follow the logic. They go on and on about the threat to democracy, even as they remove a candidate, the one they hate, from a democratic election. You, you, you can't make this up. There they are, though. We'll play some of them if we have time a little, bit, a little bit later. But coming back to the narrative, the regime media, they're co-conspirators in this coup, for sure. And then you think about the January 6th commission. Remember how they had to bring in all of the, last summer, they had to bring in all of the, not, not this past summer, but the summer before when they had the show trial. They brought in the Hollywood producers and, I mean, they had to carefully craft the narrative. They carefully, they carefully hid or kept suppressed most of the footage, only releasing the footage that was damning toward Trump supporters or Donald Trump. It was all about the narrative. It was the regime media that was going on and on for nearly three years now about insurrection, insurrection, insurrection. And then you finally get to that moment of bringing the receipts. Jack Smith, that's the main case. That's coming from Maine Justice, the DOJ, Obama's deep state. And he doesn't even go after Trump on insurrection because he knows there's no case there. Nevertheless, four 
activist judges, four radical Democrats, they come out last night and say, yeah, we're going to remove Donald Trump from the ballot. We don't want him to be the Republican nominee. Listen to this from Sundance over at Conservative Treehouse. He said that the entire framework of the case against Trump in the Colorado decision is predicated on this. Now listen to this. The complainants asserted that he was ineligible under Section 3, the complainants being the George Soros-backed organization, I forget the name of it, asserted that he was ineligible under Section 3 because he engaged in insurrection on January 6, after swearing on oath as president to support the U.S. Constitution. That's uh, quoting from the, uh, the, the legal brief. And then Sundance says, reminder, President Donald Trump was not charged with insurrection, is not accused of insurrection, does not fit the complaint under the definitions of insurrection, and has never been found guilty of insurrection. The complaint is moot before the court, but hey, it's lawfare. You know, you have to keep coming back to this issue of the trumpet that we started out the calendar year 2023 with. This is January 2023, going back to the start of this year, ready for war. Hey, they've got no case. They've not, they've got, not got any legal grounds to make this ruling, but it's all about the optics. Just keep the insurrectionist narrative going for a little bit longer. And hopefully, hopefully, it'll finally remove the bad orange man. In fact, it's going to backfire in a spectacular way, like so many of these latest attacks have done. You'll hear from Frank Luntz, the famous pollster, and never Trumper, by the way. You'll hear him say that this is only going to help Donald Trump. (laughs) There were some in the cold open that uh, indicated that as well. How does it not help him? People across America looking at this saying, what do you mean? You're going to remove him so that we can't vote for him? Who do you think you are? Well, they're four communist radicals, four activist judges appointed by Democrats. There were three. (laughs) There were three on the court that knew enough to say, you know, fellas, we can't (laughs) we can't go forward with this. I mean, come on. We're going to get smacked down. In a, in a massive way by the Supreme Court of the United States. It says here, but hey, it's lawfare. And we all know lawfare is created for public media consumption. So that takes us directly to the biggest point. <laughs> and then Sundance goes and, and quotes from the legal brief filed by these, these Soros radicals. Well, this is actually the opinion of the judges, I guess. But they have in their opinion... He actually has a PDF shot of it, and he underlines it and says here, this is from the the court's opinion that ruled to say Donald Trump should be removed from the ballot. It says, therefore, to maintain the status quo pending any review by the U.S. Supreme Court, we stay our ruling until January 4. So the court that said he's off the ballot stayed the ruling. The same court. It says here, if review is sought in the Supreme Court before the stay expires, January, it stayed until January 4, I guess January 5th is when they go forward with the ballots, and I don't know when the date of the Colorado primary is, but 
This court opinion says if review is sought by the Supreme Court before the stay expires on January 4th, 2024, then the stay shall remain in place and the secretary will continue to be required to include President Trump's name on the 2024 presidential primary ballot. That's just another way of this court saying we know the Supreme Court of the United States is going to reject this. So we're leaving ourselves an out here. All that the Supreme Court has to do, they don't even have, as I understand this, we're not legal scholars here at this, uh, at this program, not like uh, Rachel Maddow. We, but as I understand it, all that the Supreme Court has to do is say, okay, yeah, we'll hear this, this case. And then if they just put it on the docket for the next six months, the Colorado primary is going to be over. So you see, you see what the main point of it is here. They, it's all about the optics of lawfare. Get it out, continue with the narrative, continue with the spin, continue with the lies. And, and never mind what happens down the road with the actual court case, with the actual lawsuit, or in the case of these, these four lawsuits against Donald Trump, never mind what would happen on appeal a year or two, three years down the road. We've just got to get Trump. That's what's motivating this. Get Trump. It says here, wait, uh, Sundance says, wait, what? Yes, that's correct. As long as President Trump appeals the decision, and they've already done that, Trump's team, as long as they appeal the decision to the Supreme Court, the appeals court stays their own ruling, essentially indefinitely. The Colorado primary ballots printed and the primary election will be over before the Supreme Court puts this on their docket. As I was telling Sam yesterday, isn't it amazing, given what my father's written about Amos 7, and you can see more on that in America Under Attack, but given what my father has said about the Supreme Court coming to the defense of Donald Trump, you've got these two cases we went through last week, you know, the presidential immunity and then the Jan 6 defenders that are saying, you, you can't get us on this, and the, how that, that affects the, the Trump case as well. Isn't it amazing that the Supreme Court, all of a sudden, I mean, it's right in the middle of this lawfare. It's right in the middle of this war to take out Donald Trump. It says here, in addition to the virtual guarantee, the high court will overrule this political nonsense. SCOTUS can make the entire issue moot before them by following their own normal schedule for submissions, arguments, deliberation, and opinions delivered by the court. Well, I mean, just looking at how long it takes for the Supreme Court or any court to typically make a ruling. The only ones that are expediting things are these radical communist judges that want to get Trump before the presidential election next November. All the Supreme Court has to do is just kind of wait it out. It says here, the, Co the Colorado Appellate Court knows this. That's why they put this self-stay into their 4-3 ruling. It's a politically correct way of giving the optics of telling their tribe, hey, we're with you. He's an insurrectionist. He shouldn't be on the ballot without the ramifications of the political backlash, the backlash that would come from all across America, by the way, if he actually was removed from the ballot. Now, the other angle to this story, too, is just the precedent. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they fully well know they're going to lose on appeal. They want this to go through because there's, there's, all it would take is five or six other purple states out there to do the same thing. And then Donald Trump would lose. 
<laughs> you talk about election interference. Who's the only one that's going on and on about the election interference that this obviously is? That would be Donald Trump out on the campaign trail defending himself because most, most, most others will not. That's beginning to change to some degree. But you know what it says in 2 Kings 14. The affliction is bitter and there's just no helper. There's no helper. These radicals, they're all over the place, aren't they? It says here, it's intended for media consumption. You see, the media will take it and run with it. That's why Rachel Maddow and Joy, Joy Reid and others will, will hardly be able to contain their laughter. At Trump's demise, yet another tired <laughs> refrain of Trump's finally finished they're part of the conspiracy. They're the insurrectionists, the, the regime media, that is. It says, making the issue that much better for Donald Trump, the efforts of the Prescott Bush clan, he's just talking about the never Trumpers there in Colorado, the, the ones that are behind this. He says that this is going to backfire bigly, <laughs> to use one of Trump's words. The public backlash against, against a judicial ruling that interferes with the right of the citizens to determine their own election candidates plays perfectly into the sunlight operation against the lawfare left. See, they're being exposed. Sundance knows this. And of course, we talk about this quite a lot in America Under Attack. If you don't have this book, make sure. I mean, this was first written back in 2013. It's been around for 2000, or <laughs> it's been around for 10 years, not 2000 years. It's been around for 10 years and it's been expanded a number of times over the years. But if you haven't gotten a copy yet, make sure you call our operators and request America Under Attack, the 800 number there, 1-866-930-3024. Sundance says here, the backlash will be epic. It will be epic, albeit hidden by MSNBC and the rest of the insufferable media. Why? Because it doesn't fit the lawfare narrative. So they'll, they'll send out the talking heads They'll send out the talking heads saying this is really, really serious with four, five, six R's. They'll tell you it's very serious. But those that have, you know, a few brain cells left know that this is just the latest, the latest attempt to take out Trump with nothing. Nothing. Listen to the pollster, Frank Luntz, again. He is no fan of Donald Trump, but he was on, I think it was with CNN last night, clip 19. Frank, what do you think the impact of this ruling will be on their support for him? It's going to be exactly what the indictments did. It's going to be exactly what the criticisms have done. Donald Trump thrives on negativity. He thrives on legal systems that try to hold him accountable. And I'm convinced that his polling numbers are going to go up. Just today, the New York Times published six key swing states and had Donald Trump up beyond the margin of error in five out of the six. The polling earlier uh, a month ago was significant. Trump is gaining. The more that he is prosecuted, the more that he is condemned, the higher his numbers go as people rally around him. And I would say to the judges, as I said to the Justice Department, you're actually making it more likely that Donald Trump is elected next November by how you are pursuing this. That's on CNN. I don't think the host uh, necessarily likes that message. But as I said, Luntz himself, 
uh, Kevin McCarthy's roommate, no, he's no fan of Donald Trump. But he says the more that Trump is, is prosecuted, the more that he's condemned, the more his numbers go up, the more likely he wins in November. It's already backfiring, isn't it? Already. Listen again to more from that exchange, clip 20. Well, I, you know, for, the judges would say, look, we're just going by the law without fear of favor. And I mean, but does the context even matter to Trump supporters? Because there have been, I mean, tonight's ruling was really lengthy, explaining point by point why they believe he incited the insurrection, why the 14th Amendment applies to him. But to the average Trump supporter, that does that context even matter? Is this more about, once again, Trump is the victim of the deep state kind of thinking? It actually proves Trump's point. It proves that the people in charge, the people in power, are trying to take him down. But it's not, you're not trying to reach all the Trump voters. You're simply trying to reach three or 4% of them that will make a difference in this election. Now make no mistake, there's very few undecided voters right now. There are very few people going back and forth between Trump and Biden. It's more about those people are trying to decide whether or not to vote. And I gotta tell you, Nikki Haley was gaining and gaining and gaining every single day. But she's going to be lost in the coverage for the next few days, maybe for the next couple of weeks. As Trump turns this to his advantage, he's taken, he is the best victim politician I have ever seen in my 35 years in doing this. And this is exactly what he would have wanted. I like how the, uh, the host sets it up by saying, well, hey, this was a lengthy opinion. So that must mean it's very serious. <laughs> this is lengthy. Oh, it's a lengthy opinion. Okay then it must be right, I guess. And then I like how Luntz talks about the surging poll numbers of Nikki Haley. She was, she was, catching, she was catching up with Trump until this happened. She, her only chance to perform fairly well is in New Hampshire, and Trump's got her beat two to one there, according to the recent polls. And the only, the only votes she's picking up, the only extras she's picking up are the ones that Ron DeSantis is losing. Trump hasn't lost any support in New Hampshire or anywhere. He's gaining. He's gaining. That's what Luntz is right about. He, I know, he's like the governor of New Hampshire. He loves him some Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley's surging. Nikki, Nikki Haley is about to overtake Trump. These people are fantasists. They're fantasizing about the outcome they want. But even them, even some of them, even the never-Trumpers, some of them, the, on, the more honest ones, are admitting, hey, this is, this is going to backfire. This is, this is actually going to help Donald Trump. It's all over the news. I mean, he's right. Nikki Haley just gets buried underneath this. You know what else gets buried? All the bitter affliction, like the invasion at the southern border. Here, here, Rachel Maddow and company, they're going to go on and on for the next number of days, ignoring inflation, ignoring the invasion. Anything to get Trump? One last uh, clip from that exchange on CNN, clip 21. So you think this just sort of supercharges that, right? It's going to just yes. bring more people out to vote for him. Who made and, the that state that me, and the state that blew me away was Nevada because that's a state with a significant percentage of Latino votes. Trump has been screaming about illegal immigration, and Nevada seems to be rewarding him for the language that he uses and for the intensity of his message. If Nevada's going this much for Trump, 
That ought to send you a big signal about what's happening in America today. Nevada? <laughs> that's, uh, well, that's one of the, actually, it is one of the swing states. They just got a lot of cheating that goes on in Clark County, just like they do in Maricopa down in Arizona. But if it's, uh, if it's not looking so good for Joe Bama in Nevada, well, then you see why the radicals in Colorado are trying to establish a dangerous precedent so that other states can play along. There's other states waiting, hoping, praying that the Supreme Court of the United States upholds this ruling, this communist ruling out of the state of Colorado, because they're, they're ready to do the same thing. Sundance says here, I'm not even going to highlight the nonsense from the leftists who are in a frenzy over this one. Just smile, he says, just smile. Pretend it's the end of the world. Eat your favorite foods and live your best life while trying not to laugh. He says, seriously, this is just that level of goofy. This deranged, this ridiculous, it's, it's laughable. And, and then to hear them, some of them, talk about how serious this is. Listen to this montage of Democrats celebrating this crazy lunacy coming out of Colorado, clip 17. Yeah. It is not, it is, this is not a crazy thing for a democracy to do. This is, mm-hmm. um, there's no dispute. I mean, we saw it on television and we saw, we, we know what happened. He fomented, he engaged in an insurrection. He, it's a striking ruling. I think it is a plain reading of the text of the 14th Amendment. Uh, but there was a finding by the court in Colorado looking at the evidence that former President Trump participated in an insurrection. Six, I think it's undeniable in my view that he participated in an insurrection and as such should be disqualified from holding federal office. First of all, I think this decision is simply a plain reading of the U.S. Constitution. The Colorado Supreme Court stood up and adhered to its oath to support and defend the Constitution. Uh, This decision will test uh, whether America is committed uh, to America's democracy, to its Constitution, and to the rule of law a model of judicial uh, decision-making. It it is unassailable in every respect. Uh, I don't think it really matters if he's unfit to hold office. Um, We should all be encouraged by any action that makes it less likely that he will return to the presidency. The, The Coons guy, I think he's a senator, right? It doesn't matter if he's unfit. I mean, if he's completely sane... Or if he's not, that's beside the point. What is great about this is if it's in any way going to prevent him from going forward and becoming president. Well, then it's a good thing. Anything to remove Trump. Anything to get Trump. They, they're saying the quiet part out loud, as I keep saying. They make no bones about it. Yeah, yeah. The whole point of this, to keep him from ever becoming president again. This guy works at the Capitol. The other guy, the distinguished conservative, they were trotting him out all over the networks. The guy who said it was unassailable. For a four to three ruling with three, three Democrats saying, no, I don't want any part of this. Unassailable? <laughs> Sam looked up the definition. Unable to be attacked, questioned, or defeated. We just know. We just know, said the other guy with the long hair. We just, look, we saw it on TV. 
TV, we saw the insurrection on TV. Has he been accused or convicted in a court of law? No, 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 none of that's happened. But look, we saw it. We saw the insurrection. We saw the people taking the selfies. We saw the guy who took out the podium. We saw papers. They rifled through papers in the sacred Senate chamber. They prayed in the Senate chamber. Of course it was an insurrection. And Donald Trump was leading the way. It wasn't there, but he, you know, he gave a speech. And he said to be peaceful, but he didn't mean be peaceful. He meant to start a riot. We know. We know what he was thinking. And we saw it on TV. And this carefully crafted narrative that the regime media constructed for us. Isn't this wonderful? These people are being exposed for the liars and the hypocrites and the communists that they are. They are, they are the ones who hate democracy. They don't want the people to speak. They don't want the people of Colorado or any other state to decide. They want to decide. The ruling class, the deep state. Barack Hussein Obama, the dear leader, Joy Reid last night on her show, I mean, she had everything lined up, and then all of a sudden, news broke of this Colorado ruling, and she just threw the script out the window and got on the phone with Rachel Maddow. I mean, and they couldn't, they couldn't stop, you know, giggling with glee. This is so exciting. Listen to these two as they talked on that program last night, clip four. This is not a crazy thing for a democracy to do. This is, um, this is, this is something that was a hallmark of post-war Germany uh, after World War II. This is something that happened to Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil quite recently. This is something that our own Congress did in 1868 after our own civil war, specifically to preclude anybody from holding office in this country who had engaged in insurrection against this country. And so it's, it's not unheard of, but it's, it, would, it would be an incredible wild card who had engaged in insurrection. You see, she's the judge and the jury. It doesn't matter that it hasn't gone through courts. It doesn't matter that there's never been a conviction or even an accusation of insurrection. Why well, didn't, like you heard in the cold open, that last guy who said, look, if it's such an open shut case, why didn't Jack Smith include it in his indictment? Why? It's a good question. Listen again to the, the Joy Reid show last night, clip five. Listen, I, I, I don't think this is the way that Donald Trump's political career ends, ultimately, because of what we know about this iteration of the United States Supreme Court. So they're already preparing themselves for the smackdown coming from the Supreme Court. Look, I don't know if this actually ends Donald, Crump, Donald Trump's political career because, you know, we've got conservative radicals at the Supreme Court. That's the one court. That's the one major court, let's say that they don't control. And again, it's like you've got the prophecy of Amos 7 just leaping off the page at the moment. I mean, we waited and waited and waited. All those, all those lawsuits that the, the Supreme Court rejected because of lack of standing or whatever. And now suddenly, <laughs> the Supremes, whether they want to be or not, they're right in the thick of it. They're right in the middle of it. Listen to clip six. He has taken control of the party. He has taken control of their base and he has taken control of their minds. They're not allowed to use them anymore unless they use them for whatever it is that makes him feel good that day. In a sense, the Supreme Court Republican majority, if we want to call them that, has an opportunity to rid their preferred party of this person based on the thing that everyone understands was a threat to our democracy and the peaceful transfer of power. 
Yeah, everyone understands this. Of course it was an insurrection. We all saw it. I mean, they all sound like they all sound like they're coming from the exact same echo chamber because they are. They are. Listen to this. This is the New York Times writer, Mara Gay. She's on with uh, Scarborough, who asks her about, well, you know, what about those that say, well, you shouldn't let the courts decide this, but put it to a vote. Clip three. Mara Gay, what do you what do you say to the um, to the Republican candidates argument that this should be the voters should have the say and not the courts? Why are you standing with Confederates who betrayed this country? And this is what they're standing with, is the spirit of those Confederates. Her pauses are almost as painful as the dear leaders. The Confederates, really? So we've got, here, here's what, here's the latest, coming from the communist left. Donald Trump. Without any, we have no evidence, but he's an insurrectionist. Jake Tapper said he, he, his language mirrors Adolf Hitler. <laughs> that's, that's uh, I don't want to get too far off, off topic here. It's further on, on my uh, clip list. Where is the Jake Tapper beauty? You guys, if you can find it, play that one. This, according to Hitler, posed an existential threat to Germany because, quote, all great cultures of the past perished only because the originally creative race died out from blood poisoning, unquote. There's really no other way to say it. Donald Trump's language mirrors this directly. It mirrors Hitler because he used the word poison. Well, what if Hitler used the word mirrors? Jake Tapper better watch out. Now, I'm not saying I'm not a scholar on Hitler's writings, but Jake Tapper could possibly have Mein Kampf at his night table alongside his bed. Who knows? If he used the word mirrors, you want to look it up. You ought to look it up. This is outrageous. People, people say this 24-7, these kinds of attacks. And it's finally, finally, I mean, you look at, you look at all of the corruption. And, the, and by the way, Scott Adams was right. This tweet where he said, I'm loving the Colorado overreach. The decision will be reversed. Trump's poll numbers will go up. You've already heard the clips attesting to that. The be- but best of all, listen to this. This gives you permission to assume the 2020 election was rigged because stop Trump at any cost is evident in this decision. This is what's hilarious to me. People that see through this Colorado ruling or they see all the Zuckerbucks, they see all the cheating, all the corruption, they see the indictments, they see the 91 felonies, they see the 700 years that Trump could be in prison. They see all of that. But the 2020 election was perfect. I played the clip from Tucker yesterday where he said, yeah, that was the one we, you know, I was kind of scared to get into when I was over at Fox. I couldn't get into it. You just can't go there. We're living in a post-truth world. That's in, the latest, that's in the latest edition of the Trumpet magazine. If you see this much evil, if you see this kind of evil intent, how can you then assume that 2000, they, they wouldn't do anything possible to get Trump off the ballot, so to speak, in 2020? They did. They, got him, they took him off the ballot by harvesting all of those fake ballots. They stole the election. They took it. They took the decision out of the hands of the American people, which is exactly the spirit of what they're trying to do here. 
So obvious, isn't it? America under attack. It's laid out in such vivid detail. And the thing about the steel from 2020, and, and had Trump gotten in there, and had he been into you know, the third year of his two terms at the moment, or his second term, so much of this would not have been revealed. And, and how about, too, the point that Mike Flynn made uh, a few months back when he was on this program, saying that the communists left, they should have just let Trump have the election that he fair, fair and square won in 2020, because they'd be looking at just one more year of Trump. At this moment, one more year of Trump. And then he'd be gone forever. That's what they want. As it is, they're, they're going through all of these crazy, lunatic, all these, these deranged attacks to try to get rid of him. And every time that he... Every time that they do, is, as Luntz said, his numbers uh, go up. The guy that said uh, unassailable, listen to, this is again, the conservative attorney that they're all trotting out because, well, he's never Trump, as so many of the people in that cold open are. This is clip one. With me to discuss the lawyer who knows all about this, Michael Luddig, celebrated conservative legal scholar. You have called this opinion unassailable. Can you explain why? This is not a political decision. This is an opinion of constitutional law. Uh, It has nothing to do with politics. Uh, I've I've heard some commentators tonight uh, jump to the conclusion that this is a political decision by a liberal state Supreme Court. Uh, there's, it couldn't be anything further from the truth than that. The, the opinion by the, the Colorado Supreme Court was a masterful judicial opinion of constitutional law. It will uh, stand the test of time. I think that the Supreme Court of the United States ought to affirm this decision. No politics at all involved in this, uh, this decision. The next clip, I, I won't play it, but that's the one where he, he uses the term unassailable. You can't even attack it. It's, it's so open, shut case. Four to three decision in Colorado. CNN, the decision by Colorado's Supreme Court to remove President Trump from the state's 2024 ballot is unassailable, according to former federal appellate judge and prominent conservative. He's a prominent conservative. So that means what he's saying is absolutely right. Ludig, who holds bona fide uh, conservative credentials with long-standing ties to the Supreme Court, has been an outspoken critic of Trump. (laughs) So there you go. You get to the the buried lead, as Steve Bannon often says. An outspoken critic of Trump. I'll just finish the segment here with a little bit from Jonathan uh, Turley. We actually had a, a clip Maybe I can set it up with his clip from uh, Fox News, clip nine. You know, this country needs some healing. And what the Colorado Supreme Court did is they basically took a blow at democracy in the name of democracy, as you mentioned. We've never needed the the democratic process more. We need voters to be able to make a decision. Because at some point, we've got to come back together. And I'll note, you know, yeah, there were four justices here that that they finally found a majority to accept this dangerous theory. 
But there were three Democrats on the other side that refused to sign off. And some of those judges in other states that have rejected this theory, they're also Democrats. And they didn't do it because they had affinity for Donald Trump. They did it because they had affinity for the Constitution. And I'm hoping that we'll see that same profile of courage on the U.S. Supreme Court, because we need to speak as one voice right now and to say that what the Colorado Supreme Court did is wrong. This is not what we're about. And this is what he had to say in his uh, column this morning. The Colorado Supreme Court has issued an unsigned opinion making history in the most chilling way possible. A divided court barred Donald Trump from appearing on the 2024 presidential ballot. It says for months, advocates have been filing without success in various states looking for some court to sign off on a dangerous novel theory under the Constitution's 14th Amendment. They finally found four receptive jurists on one of the bluest state Supreme Courts in the land. All of them on that Supreme Court appointed by Democrats. They found their state. They found their judges. They finally got some of them to go along. It says here, even on a court composed entirely of justices appointed by Democratic governors, Colorado's Supreme Court split four to three on the question. So in the bluest of bluest courts, they barely got it through. Four to three. That says a lot. It says the majority admitted that this was a case of first impression and that there was sparse authority on the question. The majority said this. The four, that is. Yet the lack of precedent or clarity did not deter these justices from making new law to block Trump from running. Indeed, the most controlling precedent appears to be what might be called the wild doctrine. It says even the, Ju- the Justice Department's special counsel, Jack Smith, who threw every possible charge at Trump in two indictments, did not believe he had sufficient basis to charge Trump with incitement of insurrection. Not even Jack Smith could go there. Not even the, the other three Democrat appointed justices in Colorado could go there. Much can be said about this decision, he writes, but restraint is not one of them. What is most striking about the Colorado Supreme Court's ruling is how the majority removed all of the fail-safe to extend the the meaning of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to block Trump. It says the four justices had to adopt the most sweeping interpretation possible on every one of those questions in order to support their decision. He says, finally, the Colorado Supreme Court has handed down the most anti-democratic opinion in decades. The most anti-democratic opinion in decades. I think Alan Dershowitz made a similar statement. He's never seen something this unjust in his 50, 60 years of, uh, of being an attorney or studying law. Listen to Donald Trump uh, from his rally last night. This is clip 10. It's no wonder crooked Joe Biden and the far left lunatics are desperate to stop us by any means necessary. They are willing to violate the U.S. constitutions at levels never seen before in order to win this election. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. It's a threat. They're weaponizing law enforcement for high level election interference because we're beating them so badly in the polls. Straight up truth bomb right there. That's exactly, it's exactly what's happening. 
is so plainly obvious to see. Make sure, again, if you haven't requested America Under Attack, you call the 800 number or you can go, go over to our website, thetrumpet.com, and you can get to the book online right now, if you like. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. When we come back, we'll conclude today's show with uh, a little bit of a shorter Bible study segment. We'll be right back. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something, is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. Let us take a break from the nonstop lawfare, shall we? And uh, finish on a positive note. That's what happens when you delve into God's Word. Last week I talked about the importance for us to bring zeal, a red-hot zeal, into our Christian walk, into our support of God's work. And I finished one of the segments last week with the, just the importance of repentance and how repentance can really fire us up. It can, obviously, it liberates us from captivity, but it also, it also just really heats up that zeal in our lives, that zeal for righteousness, that zeal for obeying God's laws, His commandments. The Bible says that we ought to be fervent in spirit. You know what, you know what the Bible says about the Laodiceans, Revelation 3, we went through it last week. God says they're lukewarm. He says, I wish you were cold or hot. Either or, but not, not that tepid, lukewarm spiritual you know, existence. Indifferent, complacent. Notice, coming back to the point about repentance, notice what it says in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. It says, for godly sorrow works repentance, to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of this world works death. The woe is me sorrow of this world, it doesn't accomplish anything because there's no change made. But godly sorrow is different. If you, with God's help, 
make a deliberate, calculated decision to ch actually change the course of your life or change the direction that you're going in to where you're now following in the steps of Christ, well, there's going to be some positives that come out from that. Verse 11 says, For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort... Actually, let me read this in Moffat. It says, For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yes, what clearing of yourselves. What clearing of yourselves. Or Moffat says... I guess I went back to the King James there. It says, How keen to clear yourselves, how indignant... How alarmed, how eager you are for me, how determined, how relentless you've shown in every way that you were honest in the business. You can break that verse down, verse 11. You can break it down basically into the seven attributes to godly sorrow. But just look at some of the language throughout. They were much more careful about how they were living. There was a clearing that comes from, you know, being liberated from captivity. You're out now free to obey God. The indignation that they had towards sin, the fear of God that was strengthened because of their repentance. It says the, the vehement desire, Moffat says they were so eager to support Paul. I mean, it just really added fuel to the fire, as I say. And then it, it uses the word zeal as well. That's what true repentance produces. A red-hot zeal, among other things, it intensifies your zeal for God. Galatians 4 and verse 9, we'll get through as much of this as we can. It says, but now after that, he, after that you had known God, or rather are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? Paul encountered the same thing that we've seen in these last days, where tens of thousands of God's people received the, the gospel, the true gospel message with gladness, with excitement, with zeal, and then they just let it slip away. He marveled, you can see it in, in Galatians 1, he marveled that they were so soon removed from the true gospel. And he's, he's uh, discussing that here in chapter 4 as well. Verse 11 says, I'm afraid of you, lest that I've bestowed upon you labor in vain. I'm afraid that you're letting this this awesome, magnificent, incredible calling. You're letting it slip away. My, my father says in the Ezekiel booklet, I was reading it yesterday, he, he says, how often do you, you know, get down on your knees and just thank God for your incredible potential? God's reproducing himself. And yet it's easy to just let it slip. All it takes is a little bit of neglect, just like it says in Hebrews 2. Verse 12 here in Galatians 4 says, Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as you are. You have not injured me at all. You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, you despise not. He had a thorn in his flesh, as he says in 2 Corinthians. And the brethren didn't let that uh, think anything less of him, make them think anything less of him. It says, But you received me as an angel of God even as Christ Jesus. And then verse 15, where is then the, the blessedness that you spoke of? Where's that same attitude of love? Where's that kindness, that compassion, that encouragement, that support? It says here, for I bear you record that if, uh, if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your eyes, your own eyes, and given them to me. 
I mean, they would have plucked out their eyes figuratively. We'll do whatever it takes to help you through this infirmity, through this affliction. It says here, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And then Paul alludes to the, uh, the dissidents, the false ministers that were corrupting these, these members in God's church, leading them astray, deceiving them, imposters. Verse 17, it says, they zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that you might not, that you might rather affect them. So here were false teachers who were, they were zealous, just like some of the Laodicean ministers in introducing false doctrine into the worldwide church of God back in the late 80s and the early 90s. They were very zealous, but uh, it wasn't a zeal for God, as it says over in Romans 10, and we'll have to get to that section of scripture uh, tomorrow. And that's one point that we can leave off with here on today's uh, study, is that zeal, it's not always of God. You see a lot of red-hot zeal in the world, world today for sin and for materialistic pursuits, that sort of thing. But this just shows how we need to be guided by God's Spirit and, of course, God's truth. We have to let the Bible, the Word of God, the inspired Word of God, serve as our guide. It says in the Psalms that it's like a lamp unto our feet. And so we want to make sure that that energy, that that enthusiasm, that that red-hot zeal is channeled in the right direction, that it's following in the steps of Christ, that it's seeking first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, like it says in Matthew 6 and verse 33. Hopefully tomorrow we can pick it up with that section in uh, Romans 10 about having a zeal according to knowledge, God's knowledge. That's all we have time for on today's show, unfortunately. The fastest moving hour in broadcasting. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We thank you for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.